I'm Amy and you're listening to the Creativity I'm Amy and you're listening to the Creativity Matters podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters podcast, getting ready for a series, what we know, different pens, and a great and really exciting book. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Oh, and how sweet it is to be sitting here again. I just stopped. It's all ready and I stopped, plugged my lights up, turned the other light off, closed the window. Hopefully there will not be as many distracting outdoor street sounds. It ended up being much louder last week than I realized when I played it back. So I'm here and I'm here with a big exhale. It is with an exhale that I sit down here and I have more and more time to think about this show and how it feels and what I'm doing and why. And right now it is just with an exhale. So today, episode 394, someone asked me today, actually, so are you going to try and hit the number? And I said, yeah, I don't think I can. And as soon as I said that, as soon as I said that, and I was done with that call, that Zoom meeting I was doing with people, I got ready for today's show. And then I still thought, oh, I just, it's so close. It's so close. And I know it doesn't matter. It's just a number. That's what I told the person. It's just a number. I'm an Evernote user, so I opened up blank files and I put 395, 396, 397, 398. You get the picture. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't really think it matters one way or the other, but we'll see. These are the games we play with ourselves. We do play games with ourselves. We play all kinds of goal-setting games and incentive games and personal quest games and journey games and, in part... Those kinds of things keep us moving forward. That is not a bad thing. I'm not overly attached one way or the other. If it doesn't happen, it's okay. It is not on the list. It's just a standby. But today, episode 394, what we know. Sometimes we just don't know what we think we know. We are in a new series. We are right here on the cusp, having just started ICAD for those who are doing that. Fresh into June. Maybe you're doing some other 30-day thing, or maybe you are still plugging along with the 100-day challenge. Maybe you have some other habits or rituals or challenges that you do in June and July. And some of you have a bunch of things you do. I'm always amazed and impressed and wowed by how much some of you do and by the beautiful work the creative community puts out there day in and day out. So much beautiful work and such a wide range of work and it is a really wonderful thing to see. But sometimes we just don't know what we think we know, right? We are a few days into ICAD for this year, and in advance of it starting, I always spend a bit of time not really thinking about what I'll do, 
not quite that concretely, not really thinking about it. More like trying on what I might do or what I could do. It's a bit like trying on a shirt and seeing not if it looks great on you, not really that, but seeing how you feel, how it feels right now. Maybe you liked that shirt last year or a few months ago, but it might not fit the same now. Or it might be too tight in the stomach or just a bit odd in the arms or, you know, not quite long enough for the leggings. Or maybe, maybe it's just right. Exactly the shirt that you've been thinking about all along without even really knowing that that was the shirt that was going to feel right. You knew you were wanting this thing, this feel, but you didn't exactly know what it was. Turns out that was it. You might not even look at the shirt in a mirror. It doesn't have to be about what you see. You might just put it on and see how it feels. You know, you shrug your shoulders, you twist a bit, you lift your arms, you move around. And you might have a moment where you think, ah, what I really need to do is cut out the neck. Because, right, 30 years ago, cutting out the necks of all of your shirts was totally bold and totally comfortable. We all need a little flash dance in our lives. I feel sure. I feel so sure that's true. So, analogies aside, when I get ready for a series that I need to personally commit to, and I have to personally commit to it because if I don't really commit for me, and because I'm going to let myself be all in, then I won't end up sticking with it. So to get to that all in point in my heart, and I have learned this now over a series of years, to get to that point, I have to find my own inroad. And to some extent, that just means my own little bit of scaffolding. I don't need a whole lot, just a little bit, whether it's the theme or the general approach or this one little detail that I think I'm going to weave into coming days. I have to find something, my inroad, what I'm going to do for this span of days to make it matter to me. If it doesn't matter to me, I won't do it. I might start, but I probably won't stick with it. So I have to find that inroad. And I find that there is this grappling for that through line that I go through in the days leading up to a new challenge. So ICAD counts, Inktober counts. There are other challenges that I do that the same thing happens. And I don't have to completely solve it. I don't need a concrete box. I don't need a day-by-day plan. I don't even write anything like that down. But I have to just find that one thing, that comfort zone, that shirt that fits and feels just right. I have to have some sense of what's going to carry me through. And it's always last minute. It's always last minute. I definitely don't really concretely work it all out. I sort of fall into it, but I've realized I fall into it as a series of tumbles, a series of little falls, maybe. I make very few decisions ultimately before I start. But I just have to find that little bit of scaffolding to give me some parameters. 
But I have to get to that moment, that point, that level of clarity or insight or self-knowing. Not really about exactly what I'm doing, but that level of assurance and self-knowing that I am going to do it at all. Last year, I was really stumped by how to use Copic again without trying to repeat the year before. I know the perils of that. And what I ended up with last year, black and white portraits with some high color backgrounds, stands out for me as a very favorite series. You know, I'm big on scrolling your feed. You can go back and find the show with that title. I think it's very important and can be very affirming and very revealing and very enlightening, very comforting. That is a series that stands out for me. It is a favorite series. The year before was also a favorite series. Those were Copic sunglasses. And it is always so tempting to redo a series that you love. That comes up again and again as a topic here on the CMP. So this year, I went through all kinds of fleeting thoughts. I was especially hooked on the idea of a certain series of portraits. I really was that would have come out of the pandemic. And I couldn't let this idea go. It was just with me. And I started pulling photos. I was stockpiling possible muse photos, inspiration source photos. And I'm still a little sad that I'm not doing that series. But I ultimately decided that it might not work for ICAD. It might not be the right fit. Might not really work within the parameters of ICAD. I didn't let it go completely. I still thought, well, maybe I can push this border just a little. It would definitely be a good series for me. I did a test drawing at one point, just a quick one. I didn't even finish it. I just did my pencil sketch and I thought, I'm not quite sure that I want to commit to this for 61 days. It would have been powerful. I think it could have been really fun. It definitely would have been colorful. Might have been beautiful. It could have been awesome. But for this particular stretch of time, these weeks right now, I wasn't sure I really wanted to tunnel that way, lock myself into something quite as narrow as it might have been. So I decided it wasn't my best bet. So pushed that aside. And then I toyed with other things related to chronicling the days this way or that way. I always consider some just graphic novel piece, which I could do and then do my portrait separately. I always think, well, maybe I'll do some kind of sketch noting. All the things I love to do, I always think, can I do that this year with ICAD? And this time around, I really drew some hard lines with myself. I was trying to make sure that whatever I decide to do, I really want to do. Even if it is the only thing I do each day, I need to make sure that it's something I want to do. Or because it might be the only thing I do each day, I need to make sure that it is something that I want to do. I've made the mistake more than once of trying to start something, some kind of challenge or series that fell a bit short of that and then doesn't work. It's really important for me to find that inroad. It's a personal thing. It probably wouldn't just be enough for me to say, oh, well, this year I will just do the prompt every day. That in and of itself is not the kind of inroad I mean. I need something a little more that's going to give me a thread, a through line. So what do I want to do? That was the question. And then, of course, I think, well, what have I been doing? Portraits, of course. That's what I have been doing. 
that's really what I want to do. That's what I find most satisfying. But should they have color? That's always the summer question. ICAD is by and large a high color challenge. And color makes fitting in a bit easier. I know I shouldn't worry about fitting in, but I am human. I am real. And I know I would fit in. I know that I do fit in so much more easily when I use color. So color makes a lot of things easier. But you know what? I've been working in black and white. So then I had a thought. I thought about this way that I could combine color and black and white and combine my index cards and my sketchbook because, as I mentioned before, I'm really having an issue with ditching my sketchbook for these last three weeks of this 50 before 50 year, ditching it for just index cards. So that's really been hard for me to wrap my head around after a very full year and a very happy year in a sketchbook. So I had this idea for a combo and I thought it was very clever. I thought it could be very cool. thought it could be very striking. And I tried it out and for about an hour or two, I thought it was magical. I thought it was a really good idea, maybe a little brilliant on my part. Thought it was the right evolution. Thought it would give me what I needed for iCAD. It would give me a way to also use the sketchbook. It would give me some color. It would give me some black and white. I thought maybe it was the right step. But sometimes just the right comment can jolt you and make you look again. Sometimes you reach that on your own and maybe then you see a comment and it jolts you. Maybe they all go together. They all converge or convene. And while often when I look back at things, even the next day, my impression of them has improved or mellowed. I always tell people, you know, put it away, look at it tomorrow. How does it look now? People who get so frustrated with what they're doing and they post about all their angst about how they don't like it or it didn't come out the way they thought or it's just not right. Let it sit for just a little bit. Look at it again in a little while. Look at it again tomorrow. Look at it again next week. There is a process of softening and acceptance that generally increases and is enhanced by time. And so you look back and things look a lot better to you than they did when you first did them. Probably they were great when you first did them, but sometimes that inner voice or that inner critic or a perfectionist streak or our own doubt, our own lack of confidence, whatever it is, gets in our way. And somehow that little bit of time, that little bit of remove helps. In this case, not so much. This one card, and I really liked it the night I did it. Thank goodness I didn't go buy something. I I admit I spent time thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I might need a few things. I'm so glad I didn't do it. Because by the next day, I had a change of heart. This one card taped into my sketchbook is a major misstep for me. And it makes me crazy even seeing it in the book. It is somehow so out of place in this book. I still think it might have been a good approach. So I can't really pinpoint what bothers me so much, but it does. 
And I still think it could be a way to make a step that I do eventually want to make with color. Now, in reality, I'd like to make that step with gouache. But the simple truth is that the index card is not necessarily the vehicle for that exploration for me and not right now. Right now is not conducive to that. So I'm in the wrong margin space for that in this moment, which is okay. But turns out that doing what I was going to do with marker just wasn't going to work. Every time I flip through the book, I see the card, I kind of cringe. It's so frustrating and upsetting to me to see it there. And I don't really know what to do. I don't want to tear anything out. I don't really want to just dump it. I just leave it and I kind of hurriedly flip pages and go past it. It's such an outlier, such an outlier. So I'm glad I realized it ahead of time. I'm glad that I was able to look and see and recognize that it was a misstep for me personally right now. So I retreated. No, not really. Instead, I took the fork in the road. Down the one way was this colorful kingdom where the deer and the antelope roam. Okay, well, cabbages and kings and okay, and mermaids and fairy people and rainbows and unicorns and prisms and kaleidoscope and all of this beautiful, colorful fracturing of light. A sparkling road, a prismatic road, and down the other way was something much more sedate black and white, lots of line work, but with a mindfulness of its own, and with the potential for story of its own. Black and white is not a lesser thing. It is not a lesser thing. It is a different voice. I didn't even have that in my notes, but I think it's important to say that. I had to say that for myself. I know that I need to be on that other road at some point. I know the kind of work that I want to be doing. There are a few people whose work I love so much, and it is sort of where I see that I kind of want to be. But the good thing is that road is there. It is a journey available for some other time. It's just not right now. So I backtracked to black and white. And I decided to do a few little things that would tie my portraits together. And basically, I reconciled myself to a very low-key ICAD. Just my regular portraits. That's really what I went into this with. Now, I did have one thing, maybe two, and a medium. So those became the things that are going to tie it together. So I did a few drawings to test size and to see if I wanted to add in these different elements, see how I felt. And ultimately, those tests showed me that, no, I didn't necessarily want to do some of the things that I thought I might do, which is the value of doing a couple of tests. You don't have to make it some big production. You can just say, I think I'll draw today's portrait this way and see how it feels. And if it feels awesome, like that shirt that you didn't know was the right shirt, then you think, well, let me try it again. And if you do it three times in a row and you're like, ugh. This is so comfortable. I don't ever want to take this shirt off. Then you might have what you need to get yourself through 61 days. And that's sort of how I approach it. Because sometimes you do it once, you're like, wow, this is awesome. And you do it twice, and you're like, okay, well, you know, it's okay. A third time, you're like, well, I don't know that I can sustain this. I don't know that I want to do this over and over and over. 
I might get tired of looking at it myself, which you know is a bad sign. So I did a few things and thought, no, I don't want to do that. No, that's not what I want to do either. One of the things I thought, though, is I might want to use Micron this time. And that's not my typical pen of choice. I am a fountain pen user. Most of you know I draw with a specific Lamy, but in the last few months, I've been using a Preppy O2, and it is a much finer nibbed fountain pen than my Lamy, than the EF on my Lamy, and I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed that finer line, the the more precise line I can get with that. But when I grabbed some basic index cards for those early tests, just to get my feet wet with working smaller because the size shift was a concern, this year more than in the past, when I did those tests, the preppy feathered. And so I would draw and have a nice fountain pen line and it would just kind of feather. So that made the lines feel too thick. And this matters to me because of the way I like to draw, the way I like to hatch, and the way I like to do hair. So the feathering was kind of icky. Don't love feathering. Now, I don't work on regular index cards, so I admit it. Lots of people do, but I don't. And I'm not going to really apologize. It's been a lot of years. I don't use regular index cards. I did, though, for these tests because I had some. So if I had had the cards I'm using for iCAD proper when I was doing my tests, I might not have switched because I don't think the preppy would have feathered in the same way. And I might just have gone ahead with the preppy, which would have been great. But because I was still working on the regular index cards, I thought, well, let me just see if Micron feels different or better. So I pulled out a few microns. One or two might be mine. I bought myself a three pack, I think, last summer. That was a treat for me. And I think maybe one or two are my son's because he needed microns this year for a class. So I did a few tests and there was a quality to the line that just captivated me. Now, I know some of you are micron people and you're going to be like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I told you. I told you. And I know I talked about it before because the last time this happened, there was a real switch for me when I worked with Micron for one series or another. It might have been Inktober. So I know some of you are like nodding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We told you. You just don't listen. You go back to your fountain pens. Okay. I am a fountain pen person at heart. I can't help it. But there was something about the line this time with the Micron. And it was something light. It was tonally a bit different. There's something precise, yes. There was something about the thinness I could get in the O2. And I couldn't put my finger on it, but I would hold these cards up and they would just have this different feel when I looked at them. There was something different to the line. And I tried to explain it to a few people that I was drawing with a week or so ago, and I couldn't find a way to describe that feeling. I couldn't isolate what it was, what my response is, what it is that I'm gravitating to, what I see and go, oh, I love it. And, you know, I don't have any qualms about saying I love my work. Thank goodness. Somebody's got to say it. So, you know, I was seeing something that I was like, oh, that's just the right pitch right now for me. 
And it felt really different than the same portrait work I might be doing with the other pen. When I was trying to explain it to these people, I said that there was a fragility to the portraits. And that was the word that I used. And it wasn't quite the right word. It still doesn't seem quite right. And yet there's something about it when I look at them and there's just, there's something different. And I don't exactly know what it is, but something's working and was working for me. So I decided, okay, let's do it. Let's do a series this way. Let's get started with Micron. And I know people talk about the O1. And Matthew even says he prefers the 005, which always surprised me because that sounds so thin to me. But the 02 seemed okay that I was using, and I had an 03. So I was using the 02, a little bit of the 03 sometimes for some final thickening. But it took a good bit of work to build up the line, so I was definitely getting this lighter tone. And I started to wonder about that. And I asked him one night, I said, does... Micron typically seem dry to you. And he said, yeah, definitely. It always feels a little bit dry. And I said, okay, so that's fine. I just wanted to make sure that this wasn't just that I was running out of ink. And he's like, oh, no, no. Yeah, it's dry. I said, okay. I still thought maybe I was running a little bit out of ink, but I was asking if I was still going to have the same feel if I had a new pen. So, you know, how things go. His response suggested that what I was feeling was right, that this dry feel that I was somehow liking, although I don't typically like something dry, but I felt like that was partly where I was getting the control that I was liking. You know, what he said made me think, well, that's just what I'm going to find. So because I still felt like this was a low ink issue, an increasing problem with the O2, I ordered a blister pack for the series, (laughs) a treat to myself, a pre-birthday treat. And when I opened it up and I pulled out that O2 and I put down my first line that night, really excited to touch it to the card, I laughed out loud. It was a hundred times darker. It was not dry. It was a faster line than I expected. It was way thicker than I expected, even at the O2. Clearly what I'd been using was somehow an almost dried out pen, I guess, what we think we know is not always right. So I am reacclimating now. I'm getting used to it. I can't quite get that beautiful lighter tone that was so stealing my heart. But I'm using the 005 and the 01, which definitely uh, work really well. When they're full of ink, those are good choices. And I feel like I have a lot more control with my fountain pen, but I am, I'm learning, I'm practicing, I'm putting things through their paces, I guess. So I'm not sure where all this will end up. But for now, I am happily working on portraits, mostly black and white, still fantasizing a little bit about gouache and that colorful kingdom. So funny. Someday, right? There are a few little elements making their way into my portraits, but... This was not designed or intended to be a colorful set. Not sure how the little bit of color happened. I didn't plan on the color. I planned on the squares. Some of you who have seen them think, oh, well, these colorful bits were the plan. Well, no, the bits were the plan, not the color. But already I keep having this overwhelming temptation to do the backgrounds like last summer and really color them in and 
it might just happen. I don't know if I can stop myself. And I don't know if I want to, and I don't know if I should. Right now I'm using restraint and I'm going to force myself to just keep on, hold steady for just a bit more and see if I can find a gradual progression into whatever, whatever this is going to be. So I have a book for you today. And the show is already a lot longer than I expected. What? What? But I do have a book and I just have to say wow up front because this book should have been its own show. It is a tumble where to start and it's a tumble of a book to talk about and it is a tumble of a book somehow. And really today's intro should have been about how I came to be standing in front of this book a few months ago. And that is what I thought I would do today. But Microns had their say just now instead. The story of a Micron and how we don't always know what we think we know. So there are other books from that same day. And so that part can wait. This book, though, I checked it out from the library after I made note of the title after seeing it in person and knowing that I didn't know it, didn't know this book. And I saw it and thought, I have to take a closer look at this. So it's been quietly sitting here on a bench in a stack all through the pandemic, just waiting. And I guess it could have ended up just being returned. Who knows when our libraries will open and things can be returned. But it could have just gotten returned unread. It could happen. It's going to happen to a lot of those books. It's ironic, really, though, because it's been sitting there quietly. But when you open this book, it isn't quiet at all. Although it is, but it isn't. As soon as I started looking at this book last week, I could barely contain myself. I wanted to be here, to be telling you about it, to be talking about it. I had to just get up and walk around because you need to get your hands on this book and see it. You need to check it out from your library. You need to see it. It's exciting. There's something really exciting about it in some primal, deep, true, and inexplicable way. This is the kind of book that you may never really understand. So if you don't like books that don't make sense to you, this is not your book. But this is the kind of book that can blow you away just in seeing it. First up, it is a graphic novel. So... That's your starting point. It is also quite long at just over 160 pages, and it's a full size. It's a big book. The title is Skip by Molly Mendoza. And I have wondered all week how to describe it, how to talk about it. I put it aside last weekend after reading maybe three quarters of it. And then the work week happened in between, and I finished it this morning, and then I turned back to the beginning right away, and I started skimming all the way from the beginning back to the point where I'd started today. I was trying to see if I'd missed something, or if some things were more clear on re-seeing them. And yes, you understand more the second time through, but still, this narrative is one that leaves a whole lot unexplained. There's a lot for you to just piece together, to intuit. There's a lot of storytelling you need to do yourself based on what you're given. So what's up with Skip? It is set in what seems to be a post-apocalyptic world. It is a story that has themes of 
friendship and creativity and loyalty, fear, bravery, adventure, staying home, of safety, of isolation, of individuality, of trust. The book starts with moments that are fairly clear. A young child named Bloom interacting with B, a caregiver. And I think we assume it's a parent or grandparent, could just be a friend. We don't really know. It's never really clarified. The opening pages reveal that they are living alone, hiding out somewhere safe, it seems, from a world that has gone awry. And then B goes off in response to a radio distress message after she fixes the radio. And Bloom is left alone to tend and watch over the lake. Before leaving, B gives Bloom a stone on a neck cord to hold on to. And time passes. How much time? It's unclear. And B doesn't return. And Bloom gets frustrated one day with B's absence throws the stone into the lake, and then immediately full of regret, dives after it and tumbles into another world where Bloom meets Gloopy. We see a bit of Gloopy's story, a bit of Gloopy's world. Just before they discover one another, we see Gloopy's struggle to fit in, the struggle with a creative vision that isn't necessarily understood. What is Gloopy? What kinds of creatures are the others? We might have guesses based on the names, based on the way Catman looks, for example, based on the garden they are tending. It's definitely open to interpretation. Bloom and Gloopy end up following a series of tunnels or portals into different realms, different worlds. And you'll have to follow along to see how that goes and what they find and what they discover and what they learn. Bloom the whole time is wanting to get back to the lake that they have promised to take care of. And Gloopy is pretty much happy to be on an adventure. They do ultimately tumble back into their starting homes, losing each other in the process. But it's clear from the steps they take after that that they did find and learn important things along the way. So that's a really quick summary It doesn't even mention the things that you see mentioned in the book cover summary, what you see on the jacket. I'm just going to read this to you from the back of the book. This is a hardback book. It says, when Bloom is suddenly flung into another world and meets the exiled but optimistic Gloopy, the two youngsters find in each other a much-needed kindred spirit. But as they skip through dimensions and encounter weeping giants, alligator islands, and topsy-turvy 2D worlds, they find that their greatest challenge will be facing their own fears back home. And there is, let's see, there is a a quote by Sloane Leong, creator of Prism Stalker. Quote, Skip is a flurry of bold and vivid cartooning. Molly layers every page with such a dense whimsicality that it left me wanting to go back and reread so I could sink my eyes into the details again and again. End quote. So that's the summary. A story that may leave you struggling to figure out what's going on, to interpret, and to fill in the story. But what you also really need to know about this is that it is a book of explosive art. The book just brims with art. In places, it's very illustrative and clearly depicts elements of story. 
clearly depicts the narrative. In other places, it's completely abstract, color exploding and pooling and dripping and cavorting across the pages. One of the first things you notice if you flip through the book is that there is some sense of color progression. The book starts in orange and brown and neutral tones, but then there are shifts along the way. There is a section in blues, yellows, and oranges, a section in purples and aquas. There is a section in cayenne and teal. The colors shift with the different worlds, but then throughout and interwoven and on top of all of that, there are full color sections where the color just explodes. It's just a riot of color. And those sections coincide with transitions between worlds. The tunnel moments, the sense of falling. I think I would have to go back and look again. But in looking this morning, I think that in studying the color, you might also find that at the end of the story, they are both in full color worlds. And you will have to piece together what you think is happening in the final pages. I think we are left seeing the ways in which their stories intersect. I think we are left with something very powerful and hopeful. On the Amazon page for this book, Molly's bio says, quote, Hey, my name is Molly Mendoza, and I'm an artist currently living in Portland, Oregon. Through my work, I explore the complexities of interpersonal relationships and strive to portray those feelings that we just can't shake. From bubbling tears of frustration to a good laugh that you'll never forget, I bring them to the page via rhythmic mark and bold color. End quote. And I wanted to read that because I think that self-description of her art is important and really fitting and really nice. For those of you at Patreon, I think I'll show some examples from the book, a few pages, so that you get a sense of the art. I know it's hard to understand when you hear people in words. You can probably find lots of examples online, too. It's a little bit hard to describe just telling you about it. This book left me doubting my ability to summarize. I had a moment where I thought I might just not be smart enough to do justice to talking about this book somehow. I wasn't sure I could sort out why it excited me so much and why it confused me so much at the same time, why it was worth continuing even when I wasn't sure exactly what was happening. So it left me thinking a good bit. Reading this one made me think back to stories through the years, some stories even in which there are no words, but you construct the story just through reading the graphic novel illustrations panel to panel. But this book is definitely something all its own. It's so imaginative. You just have to go along with it. And there are some places midway that head on tackle creativity and the challenge of listening to your own voice, the issues of fitting in and not fitting in. If you can reserve this at your library, I think you will enjoy reading through it. And especially enjoy the free-flowing, explosive, really gestural feel to the art. And the book I'm going to talk about next time is not for kids. But this one is, is. I mean, I think definitely you would read it with a kid. But I think you would be fine doing that. So you can look at it first and decide. The book next time, definitely not for kids. But this one, yeah totally fine. Yes, it is still post-apocalyptic and still dystopian. And that is Skip by Molly Mendoza. 
I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. That is it for episode 394. And I appreciate you listening if you listened all the way through. I am glad you are here. If it's your very first time hearing an episode of the CMP, thank you for tuning in. It's not necessarily an atypical show. They tend to be a little bit meandering, a little bit philosophical, a little bit of personal art story, sometimes a little bit of book stuff, and generally just an advocation that you should do what you love. You should make art as much as you can. Make art every day. Make art a habit. Make it important. Make time for it. Choose it. Choose to use those five minutes or so for it. And that it's okay to love what you do. So those are important threads here. I'm glad you joined us. I hope you'll tune in again. As always, I'm Amy. You can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. And I post links to the books I talk about. I usually, I write those notes separately. So usually it's a very different summary of the show. So I always encourage people to check out the show notes. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. You can also find me in the private and very small CMP group at Facebook. Join me there for Sunday coffee, or we do a bunch of different things, things on certain days of the week where we just check in as a group and we also share our art and support one another that way. Thank you to those of you who support the show at Patreon. Your support there makes the show possible and keeps the show available for everyone else. So thank you. Patreon.com slash creativity matters. Until next time, actually, let's do a word. Oh, and one of you is going to really like this word. This is right up your alley. So sometimes we do a word. And if you hear the word, you can do something to note the word and then share it. I love to see it. I love these little winks that let me know that some people actually listen all the way to the end. So today's word is mushroom, mushroom. All right. As always, remember that creativity matters in no matter what form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>